Man, Steph Curry knocks out the Kings and now he must face the ultimate king. Jimmy Butler goes Super Saiyan to eliminate Giannis and Dylan Brooks accidentally jinxes himself. I'm Rose Panda, this is Clinic All-NBA Podcast. I have the three hooligans with me. JJ, how you living, my friend? Woo, feeling good, feeling great. Special shout out to my wife. Happy birthday. I love you. Now let's get it. Second round of the playoffs, baby. Oh, man, shout out. Shout out to JJ's wife, man. John, how you living, my friend? Yo, shout out to Mar. This is Thank you. going to start off cordial, but I feel like it's going to get super toxic in the next couple of weeks. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> Sammy, how you living, my friend? I'm good, man. Want to pass on the happy birthday wishes as well. And just I've been off load managing. And before I knew it, we were out of the playoffs again. So I'm just here to moderate, apparently, for the next two weeks. Let's do it. <laughs> oh, yeah, let's do it. And of course, we have to talk about the Lakers eliminating the Memphis Grizzlies in game six. The score was 125 to 85. And Darvin Ham had this to say. He said, this thing is just getting started. We passed level one. Now we've got to start shifting our focus to whoever comes out of that game on Sunday. LeBron had some great words of wisdom he shared after the game. It's about us just as much as it is about opponent. We have to be the best versions of ourselves. John, I have to ask you, man. Were you ever scared during this series, or did you feel like the Lakers have this at hand? I was a little scared, but I feel like I'm always scared whenever I watch the Lakers. I mean, they've been so up and down this year, and they're, they lost to teams that they should have beaten, and they're beating teams that I thought they were going to lose to. So for me, it's 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 you just don't know what you're going to get. You don't know what team you're going to get. Jekyll and Hyde. So uh, to be completely honest, I was a little scared, but... Man, I like LeBron James. You can't doubt this guy at age 38. He just, he has a terrible game five, comes back in game six and absolutely is efficient. He he looks like he's spry. He's dunking the ball like he was dunking when he was 25. And AD, man, what can you say about AD? Absolute monster on the defensive end. And we don't even need him to dominate offensively. And you know, that, that may change in this next series, but he, the Lakers, I think, just top to bottom are so much deeper. Rob Palenka, man, shout out. I know Skip Bayless says this every single time on Undisputed. Every single day, it seems like. But he is, to me, executive of the year. And so I am pleasantly surprised. But, hey, on to the next one. Like Darvin Ham said, the next goal is in front of us. And I'm, we're going to get to it. But I'll, I'll leave it at that for now about the, about the Lakers and the Grizzlies. So with, with you two boys, I want to ask you guys. Dylan Brooks had like a lot of words to say this series. He said, LeBron James is old. I wish I would have played him when he was with Miami or in Cleveland because it'd be a better competition. I don't respect anyone until they give me 40. Like all of this stuff. Do you think Dylan Brooks, I know he says that he doesn't regret saying what he said, but do you think deep down inside, he actually regrets these words. Definitely, because if he didn't, he actually would have stood up like a man and and given media availability the last three games instead of saying I'm out and not showing oh, up at all. Oh, yeah. So that tells me that he regrets it because he didn't want to own up to his own words. What makes a villain a good villain is when they can actually back up their talk and they don't talk until they've done something. With him, it felt like he was forcing it. It was almost like if you because we've joked about this forever with the uh, Steve Austin-like attire that he came out in one uh, prior to one game, if you guys remember, with the black vest and all that kind of stuff. It's almost like like WWE decided he was going to be good without actually saying, hey, this guy's actually not good, so no one's going to you know, take him seriously. In a weird analogy, that's the best way I can put it, but he played himself off of Memphis. They're not going to want him now, and I guarantee you he cost himself a ton of money this offseason. So just couldn't have handled any of this more poorly as far as I'm concerned. Sammy, you could say it. Say it. (laughs) Dylan Dylan Bricks, man. Just call him Dylan Bricks. Dylan Bricks. (laughs) Dylan. 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 Yeah, you know what, man? I don't mind when people talk smack. It's just like what Richard Miller said in the 30 for 30. Reggie Miller versus the Knicks. 
when you talk trash, 90% of that trash talk is for your self-confidence. The other 10% is going into your opponent's head. But, hey, Sammy hit the nail on the head, man. If you're going to talk all that smack, you got to back it up, number one. And number two, at least, at least go to the post game and show your teammates how it is and swallow it like a quote-unquote man. And I hate to say this. That's so whack. Yeah, super whack. And I hate to say this. Well, I don't mind saying it, but some of our audience members may not like this, but you got to respect Patrick Beverly and Draymond Moore after seeing what Dylan Brooks did. Because (laughs) at least they, when they talk, they'll eat up their words. And they're not scared to talk to the press right after. So now that the Memphis Grizzlies are officially in Cancun celebrating. Um, is it time for them to hit the panic button? Because to me, like this season almost feels a little panicky, right? With John, the whole thing surrounding John Morant, there's rumors surrounding Dylan Brooks. Apparently, like Memphis was trying to offload him during the trade deadline, trying to get like an OG Ananobi, whoever else was, was, was available last trade deadline. What do you think should be next? for this young Memphis Grizzlies team. I think this team needs two things. Oh, go ahead, John. Go ahead. No, go, 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 go. Um, This team needs two things, as far as I'm concerned. One, they tried to address. They need a much better version of Dylan Brooks. And by that, I'm not saying he needs to improve. He needs to get the hell out of there, and they need to get a better wing, uh, for one. And it was was said that at the trade deadline, they actually did make a huge offer, if I recall, from Mikael Bridges after he got traded to Brooklyn. Right. But Brooklyn turned it down. And they went after OG. So I think they understood that that was a hole, and they do need a wing defender bad. The other thing they need is, in addition to Steven Adams, they need another adult in the room. Mm-hmm. This team is way too immature. They talk way too much for a team that's never been past the second round. They need someone who's been there who can calm the rest of them down and make sure that they can keep them under control. I don't know if because Steven Adams was out for so long that that you know, affected that because he kind of served that purpose before. But this team's whole mindset needs to adjust. I don't know if it's a coaching thing or if they just need more vets who have been there. And I don't know who that player is right now. I can't think off the top of my head of a particular example, but just someone who still actually plays and commands respect, not necessarily an end of the bench guy, because I think that's the kind of guy that this team might actually listen to. But to me, by far, those are the two glaring things. They need to change an attitude and they need a, another wing in addition to Bain that's not Brooks, as far as I'm concerned. What do you think? You guys agree? Who who in your mind, Sammy, mm-hmm. do you think would replace Dylan Brooks? On, to, on the top of your head, is there a candidate out there who you think would be a, a great fit for the Grizzlies? Man, I would have loved Bridges. Obviously, that's that ship has sailed with what he did in Brooklyn. Um, I, I just, th- I just, yeah, I just don't think that was ever realistic. Is there somebody out there who you think is a realistic well, target? Okay, so they still have the they have the contracts to trade to make numbers work, and they have all their picks. I wonder if the move is to make another run at like an Ananobi, because they don't need another scorer. They need a guy who can play defense and just carries himself well and I know Ananobi was young but I believe he was on that title team in Toronto a few years back so he's at least been there and he has that cachet to him um I think it might be a guy like that that's that's the main player I can think of only because Toronto is clearly in transition since they let go of Nurse and I think some of their guys would be available so that would that would be the player I would name for for me like I wish that Josh Hart didn't have like a coming out party Mm -hmm. in New York because I think that's someone that could be like relatively cheap who scores like like pretty well like from the three-point land but specifically plays really good defense from like one to four can't really guard fives but he could play pretty physical even though he's got like a short stature so that's someone that I would like to see do you guys blame a little bit of the immaturity of the Grizzlies though on the coach at all or do you think this group is just way too wild and like not like everyone would have a tough time with this group how much like the thing to me is how much these are adults right i understand that they're kind of kids to us or they're kids to people still but they're still a 
technically adults. They're all over 18 years old, right? How much onus do you put on the coach when these are the guys that are going out, partying and clubbing? I mean, these they're making their own decisions. I get maybe as a coach, you can kind of reel things in as much as possible, but ultimately these are guys making their own decisions. And if you have to set a standard for yourself and say, okay, you know what? I am, I have, this is a privilege for me to play the game of basketball, to make this much money and to excel at what I do. All I'm doing is playing a game. And for me to do something dumb and jeopardize it like this, that's on you. And that's my opinion. I don't know if you guys agree with that or not. I'll go hot take. I'm going to blame it on Ja. You want all of the credit when your team succeeds, your MVP candidate trying to be the best. Hey, man, everyone takes, everyone follows your lead. You're going to go ahead and be down 20 points against the Lakers, and then you're going to smile on the side. You're going to go ahead and do your dance. You're going to call Jordan Poole um, dirty and say you break the code. You're going to go do all this side crap with the law. Your team follows your lead, homie. And he kind of admitted, like, it's my fault that they have to eat what came to them from the Lakers and they lost. It was ugly at times. Yeah, JJ, I'm, I'm totally with you. And that's actually why um, in my tiers of like superstars, I have bumped down John Morant beneath the person who we're going to talk about next or the team we're going to talk about next in De'Aaron Fox, because I actually think he needs more love, even though the Warriors had defeated Sacramento in game seven, where Steph Curry literally explodes for 50 points eight rebounds, six assists. As you guys are watching this happen, what were you guys thinking? I was, had that Drake song in the background. Chef Curry with the shop, boy. No, that was not. In my dream or something, I had that going on. But I mean, what can you say about it, right? The baby-faced assassin, Chef Curry, was cooking. And look, I mean, he was just giving the Kings something. And I loved every minute of it. I mean, as a basketball fan, you just love to see somebody do something so extraordinary and excel at the sport, at a sport that you love to watch. I mean, making shot after shot, getting into layups, getting fouled on drives. There were there was replays of, of him just getting you know, swiped at, and there were fouls, and it didn't bother him. His, his level of conditioning running around the court for 21 seconds just to, to pull off a shot where it's heavily contested this is incredible basketball and like there's no denying how good he is and one of my favorite moments of the night was when he pointed at the camera and he lit the beam oh, yeah. he said to light the beam light the beam i love that he knew, he knew it was about to win total killer instinct and i think he's from the same he has that killer mentality. He's like so silent. He's an assassin. Doesn't get too up. Doesn't get too down. And I, you know, the, obviously there are moments of that. He's human, but very seldom does he get over, over. Like the moment just never seemed too big for him. And he's cut from the same cloth as guys like Jordan and Kobe. And I'm, you know, I'm not saying he's obviously as good as like those guys. Maybe that's just my personal opinion or as LeBron, but he's cut from that same cloth. And I just loved watching, man. As a fan, it was incredible to see. And, I, and I'm sure you guys, obviously, Ro and JJ, you felt the same way. And Sammy, he's the biggest warrior and Laker hater. So he probably said it was average performance at best. <laughs> it was slightly above average, slightly above average. Um, I mean, what, what do you say at this point? I mean, just it's it's poetry in motion to watch some of these guys like Steph and what he can do and what we've seen and no one ever talks about the fact that he's doing this at 35 which in basketball years is you know it's yeah. not, the, not the twilight but he's on the older side and like if if we you know 30 years from now didn't know what year this game was played we instantly could have assumed he was five six years younger and no one would have known i mean just the stuff that he's able to do on the court is just ridiculous and I mean, I know it's not like hard-hitting analysis, but what else do you say? You just watch that and you enjoy it, and you understand that you're watching greatness. But that's how I was looking at it. JJ, before before you go, I want you to also answer, 
because I know you've watched a lot of Warriors basketball. You've seen Steph Curry just grow up in front of you, seeing him from a rookie to now. Is this your favorite Steph Curry game? Uh, I thought about this. I'm going to say top five. Favorite okay. game four. Celtics. Oh, baby. Celtics. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, that was nasty. Um, had like 48. Game seven, uh, 2019. Katie's injured. Remember, Curry had what, what I think he only had one field goal after the first half. And then he scored like 25 straight in the second half to eliminate Harden's Rockets, who had Chris yeah. Paul, who said, hey, if we were if we were healthy last year, we would have beat you. So that well, was... the Rockets missed every single three imaginable. Yeah. <laughs> wait, 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 Jay, it wasn't the 2015 when he was cooking the defensive player of the year candidate, Matthew Della Vadova. <laughs> the curry stopper? That wasn't, curry that stopper. wasn't, that wasn't, that's not your top no. one? Top no, two? unfortunately, okay. no. But, you know, game seven, man, like, as a 35-year-old, when you have your Splash brother shooting 4-4-19, Jordan Poole, who has been playing absolutely terrible, and Wiggins, who just came back two weeks ago he carried the warriors to victory steph don't get carry. it twisted steph carry steph, <laughs> steph carry, carry. Yes. <laughs> absolutely jj and you know i i do want to give some some love to kevon looney yes. because he literally had magnets in his hands just attracting the basketball like they were just having fits trying to get him off the boards and he just what well, he ended up with 21 rebounds and 11 offensive boards like that's crazy and absolutely we ridiculous we, we and need a paternity test to see if arvidas is really his dad maybe it's kavan <laughs> john i'm glad you said that dude because i want to ask the fellas here did looney ruin sabonis's career is he is he is sabonis all nba because he's projected to be all NBA when that, oh, those man. polls come out. Well, they're going to give him all NBA because it's regular season. They don't they don't factor in the playoffs. Does it? I I won't go as far as to say that it's going to end his career. But it definitely, <laughs> I think, made people second guess the awards and the accolades and the praise that he received this year because to let. And look, Kevin Lo Kevon Looney is not a slouch on the boards. He's been doing this like pretty consistently in the regular season. He's been doing this in the playoffs. And so I don't think it's that far fetched. But but look, 13 offensive rebounds in one quarter and 20 plus for Kevon, that's like that can't happen, right? Like if you're if that's your guy and you are an all NBA team player, mm -hmm. you cannot let somebody get that many rebounds on you. Like bar hands down. So definitely does not put him in a, in a positive light like it used to maybe a month a couple months ago i i wouldn't put it against demontis Sabonis either because i feel like the king's strategy was to play small like they didn't play alex len very much and like Sabonis literally had to like when he's done like banging against like looney he had to bang against green like both very physical people and you saw his eye and like his ribs are hurt like that guy came out like with battle scars, just trying to bang with these dudes. So I, I wouldn't really hold it against Demontis just because his career is so young. And this is the first time we're actually seeing him in like playoff atmosphere. But I think we're also underselling how important Looney has been to the Warriors. And he proved it this series, having 20 rebounds three times in a series. That's crazy. Sorry, uh, Sammy, you're about to say something. Um, no, just overall with Sabonis, I mean, we do have to keep in mind with this entire Sacramento squad, this was basically their first trip outside of Harrison Barnes, which says something that most Warrior fans were excited he was on the Kings to start the series. So, Four that points, being said... Game seven. Exactly. This Harrison is a Barnes team that needs experience. OU. <laughs> um, so, the Warriors exposed some things strategically that I think no one else tried. They clearly got in Sabonis' head. That was obvious. End of the day for the series, 
He did still average 16 and a half, 11 rebounds, five assists. He didn't have a terrible series, but in the big moments, it looked like he got rattled. And I think what that means for the Kings is just as a whole, they need more experience, which is natural. It's a very young team. This team has about $30 million in cap space. And then a bunch of the players go UFA the year after next. This is their year to make a move. And you wonder if what they need is not an enforcer, that's the wrong term, but another big, like you mentioned, so that they're not playing small all the time and someone who can maybe protect Sabonis in the playoffs from having to be that guy that has to bang around the whole time and let him play make a little more because he's not, you know, your standard old school big, if you know what I mean. So right. I think it's a mix, but this, by the time we got to game seven, it just looked like a veteran savvy championship team that knew what the moment was like and a team that hadn't been there before. But to give Sacramento respect, they're going to be around for a while. That team is just going to get better. Their wing help is coming. Keegan Murray broke out a little bit in this series. By the end of it, he was really good the last few games. So I just think it comes with experience. This does not feel like a flash in the pan to me. This team's going to be around. Low key, I feel like if something happens with Draymond's situation in the Warriors this upcoming offseason, I wouldn't be surprised if he starts to look at the Kings and find a pretty good fit with them. That would actually Um, make a ton of sense. It would make a lot of sense, man. But I'm going to actually like move us forward a little bit. I'm going to talk about the Warriors now facing the Lakers. We get another Steph Curry versus LeBron James series. But this time it's in the Western Conference second round. I need some predictions here. What are you guys looking for? Also, how do you see this all playing out? I can't wait for for the rest. Go ahead. I can't. I can't wait for these objective, impartial takes (laughs) that we're about to hear. (laughs) I think. Okay. Okay. I think. I think we should start with the the actual outsider, right? Do you guys agree? I feel like we should start with the outsider and get his thoughts. Even though he's a hater of both teams. <laughs> no, what are you talking about? I'm just cheering for the refs. Um, <laughs> all right, Sam, let's cheer. Right, for so, good officiating? <laughs> yeah, let's go refs. Hopefully Mark Davis is nowhere near this series. Um, prediction and then your thoughts behind the prediction. Prediction. Okay. This Don't worry, you won't offend us. You won't offend us. I'm going to offend everybody. Fair. Uh, all right. I can't believe I'm going to say this. I think I'm going to take the Lakers in seven. And here's why. Wow. I will explain why. And like this is by a hair. No, I say this with like almost no confidence. But if we continue to get the Davis we've gotten where he looks like Bill Russell, because that's basically how he looked against Memphis. I think his rebounding can help neutralize Looney which is a big advantage Golden State had against the Kings. Now, the other reason that I'm going this route is only because what's been the most improved thing about the Lakers since the trade deadline? By far, the defense. Defense has been as good as we've seen from anybody in the league. And so as superlative as as Steph is and as, as the Warriors normally have been, I think this Laker team is one that might be able to come up with a scheme that Sacramento just couldn't because clearly what they're doing on defense is working. Now, all that being said, if Steph goes and averages 45 a game in this series, it wouldn't shock me either. But I think what we just talked about was Sabonis, where he couldn't toughen up and body up. This Lakers team has guys that have been there. They've all been there. At least the, the main cast has outside of, you know, Russell. And I just think there's enough players to throw at them defensively in their rotations, in their schemes, to try to neutralize Steph on some point. And to be frank, the one other reason without, obviously I've been talking a lot about this already, but a little concerned about Clay. Clay did not have a good series against Sacramento, unless you guys want to disagree with me on that at all. I, I didn't think he played that well. And so if we have more of that, then I feel like it gives the Lakers a little more freedom to focus on Steph. Mm. So it's just based on those factors. That's why. And like I said, this is by a hair, but I'm, I'm shocked, honestly. But I I think I'm going to take the Lakers here. So that that's my initial read on this series. 
I didn't hear anything you said after Lakers and Kevin, dude. Ro and JJ. Tune you out the entire time. No, I'm just. I'll be leaving now. Well, if you guys. Well, if it's any consolation, if you think that that gives me any confidence, it doesn't. That actually makes me more nervous in my own team. Thanks a lot, Sammy. You're welcome. That's the other reason I did it. So, let, John, let us let us know what your prediction is, how you think it's going to oh. play out. Um, and okay. also, I want you to give me probably the most interesting matchups. Oh, wow. Um, okay. Like, uh, it, as much... I'm trying as hard as possible, right, to come at this at an objective angle and to be unbiased and impartial. But I feel like that's going to be difficult for me, but also for you, Ro, and for you, JJ. And I'm just going to go with what I honestly think. I think the Lakers are a tough matchup for the Warriors. But I do think that the Warriors have a lot of firepower and pose a lot of issues for the Lakers with their motion offense and particularly their shooting. Right? What gives me confidence is the Lakers' defense. They are second in the playoffs. They've been, I think, top three since the trade deadline. And when they're locked in, they're locked in. But when the offense of the Warriors are locked in, they're locked in as well. So it's a battle. It's like a push and pull. Like it's a it's an immovable object. And uh, um, what is it? Immovable object and unstoppable force. And to me, those are the two things that are colliding right now. And Honestly, I'm going to go with Lakers in six. I think the Lakers' best opportunity is to close it out at home. I don't think they would win in game seven. So if, if in Sammy's scenario, I think if it goes to seven, the Warriors are going to close that out. And my most interesting matchup, like we talk about, obviously, we're going to talk about like Steph or, you know, Steph and D'Angelo, LeBron and Wiggins. or, But it, like on the court, to me, honestly, with all the talk of, of the role players and their you know, how much they mean to the team, their X-Factors. I think it's Austin Reeves versus Jordan Poole. I think if the Warriors' best chance to win the series is if Jordan Poole can replicate what he did last year. If he has the season, the series that he did against the Kings, I think the Warriors are in trouble. But if he can still put up the 15 to 18 points that he is capable of doing and doing it consistently, then the Lakers are going to have some issues. But I think also Austin on that other end, Austin Reeves has turned into a player that nobody expected and a contributor that nobody expected. So he can either kind of cancel Jordan Poole's productivity or he can exceed it. And if he does that, I think the Lakers are in good shape. But ultimately it's defense versus offense here. I know the Warriors are average defensively, but the Lakers are kind of also average offensively. And so, but the other on the other end of it, Warriors elite offensively and the Lakers are elite defensively. So. It's going to be a battle, man. I am looking forward to it. Again, if the Lakers lose, I'm going to block all of you. I'll probably can- cancel all my social media. You know, we'll still be homies. <laughs> we'll still be homies. I may pop in on this podcast from time to time, but I'm going to be definitely uh, bitter. Very, very bitter, I'll be honest. JJ. But you, wait, wait, John. So you're saying Lakers in how many? Lakers in six. Lakers in six. JJ, what you think? Okay. Do you want to go with my predictions? What What are you asking me, host? How should we How should we approach this? First, I want you to tell me what you think of the matchup. Mm-hmm. What matchups you think are the most interesting, and then end it with who you think is going to win at the end of the series. Warriors in four is not a real take, JJ. <laughs> just a, just like a. <laughs> The interesting, <laughs> I got that, John. Don't worry. First <laughs> matchup that we'll talk about is Looney versus AD because AD is going to get his, but we have defense versus offense. I think Looney's going to try to force AD to become a shooter like what he did with Sabonis. Obviously, the favorite's going to go to AD, but we've seen Looney guard the best of them, and I'm really excited yeah. to see that. We have... 80's been, like, incredibly... Like, incredible on defense. He's going to be incredible. And what they're going to do is... AD and LeBron, they're probably going to play safety. Just clog up the paint and have help defense. And that's what they did during the regular season. Um, And if we did study the regular season, it's hard to even predict those matchups because the first game was... The first game of the season, actually. And completely different, like, a roster. 
Second game, no LeBron, no Curry. Third no game, Wiggins. and no Wiggins. Third game, no Wiggins, no LeBron, and the last game, no LeBron, no Wiggins. So, who's gonna win? You have D'Lo, who's terrible on defense. You have Jordan Poole, who's terrible on defense. That's a toss-up. You have LeBron versus Wiggins. Can LeBron stop Wiggs? Yes. Can Wiggs stop LeBron? Well, Wiggins guarded the best of them too with Tatum from last year. You have Luca, who's kind of a prototype of LeBron, I would say, right? So it's hard for me to say, but the stat that I'm gonna go with, and I mentioned this before, Warriors have won a road road game every single playoff series. Warriors have been ever since, and Sammy dropped this uh, this trivia knowledge to us earlier today. And what was that, Sammy? When was the last time the Warriors lost in the West? In the West? To your Lob City Los Angeles Clippers and the tight groin of Chris Paul, which just went out with injury again today. Oh, and when was that? Nine years ago? <laughs> that was, uh, yes, 2014. Nine years ago. So, based on that, I mean, all I could ask for is a great series, but I'm going to say Warriors in six, baby. I'm also, I'm also going Warriors just because I'm a Warrior fan, but I'll say this. The thing that makes me worried the most about the Warriors versus the Lakers is that the Lakers have already figured out the rotations. They know who their best players are. The Warriors, it's like, is the DiVincenzo playing today? I don't know. Moody? Is Peyton gonna get more minutes than Poole? Like, we don't know what these rotations are. So Here's I the think... thing about that. The counter to that, though, is I, I think the Lakers are gonna play different guys than they played in the Grizzlies series. Oh, interesting, okay. I, because of the style. The Warriors are way different. They didn't play Troy Brown a lot in the Memphis series because he, they were the, the Grizzlies were more physical and Troy Brown wasn't making the shots. But Troy Brown is an athletic, taller, wing who can move around and that's what you need to defend the Warriors. So you're going to see a lot, you're going to see different lineups, I think, against the, the Warriors. So I yeah. don't know if they, they have a, they know who their best players are, but they're not going to play the The rotation's going to shift, I think. I think that's a good point because I think Kaminga makes more of an appearance for this series as opposed to last series just because it would be too hard for him to say in front of like Fox and Malik Monk but I feel like Kaminga could at least body some people like even though Ron, LeBron even James Ron. is is big yeah. I feel like Kaminga could maybe keep up a little bit maybe slow him down so it'll be an interesting series between the the Warriors and the Lakers we're gonna move on here wait 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 wait, wait. we oh, can't ahead, move on yeah bro because we didn't <laughs> no, get your prediction what you said oh you said I'm sorry you said in six right Warriors and six. Yeah, 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 yeah. Sorry, I thought you were. Really, I thought you meant Lakers and six. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> well, the Bucks. My bad. Were a surprise elimination by the Heat. Man, I I don't even know what to make of all this. That last game, game five, where it was a crazy out of bounds play where Jimmy Butler found himself right at the rim, threw it up. It goes in. Did, did you guys even think that ball was going to go in? Because I, I didn't even know what was happening. Jimmy I'm seeing Bo a I lot of shaking Butler. heads. I love Jimmy Butler, but he definitely pushed off on that. Yeah, but regardless, did. like, oh, yeah. yeah, that was 100% an offensive <laughs> foul. But, like, that was just bad defense, right? You just never give up something like that close to the basket. You have to assume that they're going to throw the ball close to the basket, and that's what you defend, first of all. If you give them a contested three with that much time left, so be it. But to me, the Bucs just played bad defense. And I know a lot of things were going around, and, you know, particularly with Coach Bud, he's probably, his head probably wasn't in the game, understandably, with what happened to him, you know? Like, right. shout out and, and thoughts to him and his family, but, like, you know, maybe that was part of it. But again, I, I just didn't think it was it was great defense by the Bucks. But shout out to the Heat, man. They they pulled off kind of the unthinkable, right? Nobody gave the Heat a chance. I mean, they almost lost. They lost to the Hawks in the first round of the play-in or the first game of the play-in. And then they beat the Bulls in the second game. Nobody thought, at least I didn't think. And if you guys say you did think that, then you're obviously lying. There's no way that they were going to beat the Bucks, right? Even with Giannis hurt, I was telling myself, like, down 3-1, down 1-3. 
I thought the Bucks were gonna come back and win in seven. I was actually fairly confident in that. It's it's funny you say that because me, JJ, and Sammy were trying to do a preview of first round series, and I gave them the option to pass if they thought it was pretty much said and done. And we got to Bucks and Heat, and we all said pass. We didn't want to talk about this series because mm-hmm. we, we were so were confident. Win. Yeah, oh, we knew yeah. the Heat were gonna win. Yep, totally. Absolutely. You guys need to talk. Uh, hey, I, that's I, you guys need to talk about Kevin Love for real. <laughs> I want to get your guys' thoughts on Kevin Love because he's actually been huge for the Miami Heat. What? What do you guys think? I mean, I keep going back, and I've heard this rehashed on which podcast? The Bill Simmons podcast a lot. Why did Cleveland just buy him out when they could have easily used a third big themselves? Like, I know he's not Kevin Love of eight years ago, but the guy is still an effective rotation player, and he's been vital for them. He Game one, he was basically throwing touchdown passes against New York for half that game. He's still a perfectly good, functional, solid rotation guy. I don't understand what Cleveland was thinking, and I... I meant respect to him. He's he's been a vital part of that team. He helped win that Milwaukee series and he helped win game one. I mean Well he keeps the defense honest. He's a yeah. big that draws the center out because you have to respect his three ball. Right, right. That opens and that opens the lanes for driving. And he's still one of the better passing power forwards in the league right now. So I just I didn't get that from Cleveland and I think he's having a like a little bit of a renaissance here in Miami. So I, I'm happy for him, honestly. I, I think he had a couple down years there, and good to see that he's still being able to be productive on an important, like, uh, in the big stage. Yeah, absolutely. And, JJ, I want you to respond to this one. Giannis had a post-game um, where he talks about, where someone basically asked him, do you see this season as a failure? And he gets a little flustered. He gets upset. He says, you know, last year you asked me the same question. Um... And he says, it is It is not a failure. It's steps to success. It's the wrong question. There's no failure in sports. There's good days and bad days. Some days it's your turn, some days it's not. And that's what sports is about. And he also referenced like Michael Jordan. He won six rings. So you're telling me that all the other years he didn't ring, win rings, those were failures? Do you feel like Giannis has a point when answering this question here? All right. I was on social media after he had this press conference, everyone was reposting it, saying that this guy's a champ. This this guy knows what sports is all about. And I think, hot take, you know what I think? I think Giannis gets away with too much. As he should, because he's a good basketball player. But can you imagine if LeBron said this, if Steph said this, they would get murdered by the press figuratively speaking and yes you know what if jordan jordan thought the years that he did not win were failures you remember that press conference with kobe john (laughs) when someone asked him you guys lost did you guys fail and kobe looked straight at the reporter and said did we win no yes it was a failure so to the standards of the champions like mj like kobe I'm sorry, Giannis. I love you. I think you're a great representation of the game. I thought what you said was spot on in terms of like playing your politically correct views into the public. But nah, man, that's loser talk. You play to win championships. You were the number one seed. You're the heavily favored team at Vegas. Straight up. Yeah, I I agree with it. And look. I think there's, and I've heard things, rumors, or not rumors, but speculation that the reason why Giannis said that, well, a number of things, right? He could have been a prisoner of the moment. He could have been heated. He could have been upset. Obviously, with what happened to Mike Budd's family, maybe that that was crept into his mind. But ultimately, I think there's just like this 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 conception of failure as something that's that's really bad or negative. The reality is, is like success is is bred from failure. You yeah. do not succeed without failure. And to me, it's not a bad thing, right? You take the failure, you take what you didn't excel at, and then you pick yourself up and you keep going. You get back on the horse. And to me, like, I feel like Giannis is gonna look back at this 
quote or look at back at his interview and say, you know what? It was a failure, but that doesn't necessarily mean failure was a bad thing or failure mm-hmm. is a bad thing. And maybe that would have been a better way to phrase it. Um, but I kind of get where he said what he's trying to say, but maybe it just didn't come across that way, at least to a lot of people. And JJ's right. There is a double standard, and that's the issue with not just sports, with a lot of things. Always a double standard. What, what works, what may be okay for one person is not okay for another, even though they say the exact same thing, right? And like, what? why is it like that? There's no reason for that. It needs to be, if you're going to criticize somebody for saying something, you need to criticize somebody else for saying the exact same thing, regardless of who they are. So those are my only gripes with it. But ultimately, I, I, I kind of understand where he's coming from. I just think that maybe there could have been a better way to phrase it or convey it. But I'll leave it at that. I want to get your guys, you know, the rest of the panel's thoughts here. I mean, I honestly don't have that much to add to what you both said. I, I'm generally in agreement that I think part of this was in the moment, for sure. And like you were saying, John, maybe he was thinking about Bud and his family and just didn't want to classify it as a failure and go from there. But no, on some level, you do have to consider it a failure. But like you said, you build off of it. You, you make it something productive. You learn from it and you come back in that way. And I just think it was the wrong time and it was a in the moment response. But generally what what you both said, I think on some levels pretty much spot on. So, and I love Giannis, him. man. I agree. I do too. Me. I love Giannis. I, I think I he's love a him. great rep. Yeah. He's he, a great player. He doesn't get like, you know, he's not, he's no nonsense. He works hard. And that's the kind of player that you want in our league, right? That doesn't take for granted the gift and the privilege that he has in playing a game that we all love to watch. And and he is the epitome of that. And so, like, people are going to make mistakes. They say things that maybe they'll regret, but he's human ultimately. And I feel like the media just spends a lot of time on this when it's really not that big of a deal. We could just, like, move on with our lives. Right. And, you know, I, I think the media like the timing of this question is just pure evil you know what i mean <laughs> like to right, get like, he's, sort of upset, mindset. Right? he's upset you know he's like trying to comfort himself too in this whole situation trying to look positive because i mean it, it has to be heavily weighing on him to be a number one seed to be considered the favorites to have one of the deepest teams in the league like everyone thought this was a sure thing and they, they came up short. Very, very short. It was on Giannis too, Jin. It was. He's he's the best player on the best team. Yeah. He's like ducking shots. You go, what, 10 for 24 on the free throw line. And then yeah. you, you have Jimmy Butler, who is playing with other scrubs on the team, playing team. And you're not guarding him as a defensive player of the year? Yeah. Like he I take pretty much got that. out. He got out alphaed <laughs> by Jimmy Butler. You know, June takes offense to that scrub comment, JJ, because his Gabe Vincent jersey is hanging in the, <laughs> in the closet right now. <laughs> Caleb how Martin, dude, how, how dare, dare you? Shay. How dare you, Caleb Martin, my man, dude? I actually have Max Struess. Okay? <laughs> <laughs> and let's let's talk about the next game real quickly, where the Heat take Game One in New York. The big news is that Jimmy Butler goes down with an ankle injury at the end of the game. He's hobbling around, just trying to loosen this thing up. We don't know the severity of the injury right now, if it's going to be out, if it's going to be playing, even for game two. What do you guys think of just the Heat's chances against New York with possibly a hobbled Jimmy Butler? Doesn't look good. Back like, oh, go ahead, go ahead. <laughs> no, no, go. Uh, that's it for me. Like, it doesn't hard look hitting, good, hard hitting analysis right here, baby. Let's go. I agree with it. That was simple, I, straight to the fact. I don't think without Jimmy Butler, I don't think they have a chance against this New York team that has found themselves truly. This playoff. I think season. he only misses game two, and he's back by three. They have a few days off, and they already okay. stole one in New York. So, so you feel like they did their job. Yeah, I, and I think because okay. it's a quick turnaround, they'll probably sit him tomorrow, though. Though we're all saying about Jimmy, he'll probably try to be out there no matter what. But I'm guessing the staff is going to hold him back. And he'll get a few days and he'll be back on Friday. I think the game after is on Friday, I believe. So they've got some time to get some rest for him. It'll give him about a week between games. 
almost to yeah to get ready and there's no way unless that thing is broken which it clearly isn't i don't think there's any way you're going to stop him from being out there which is nah. one of the things i think all of us love about jimmy butler yeah. is that he defines alpha player in the playoffs and just turns it up to a whole new level and he does this every year now yeah. and we know he's it's got, coming he's got that mentality and do you guys sure. think uh it's a hot well i guess i agree if it's a high ankle sprain that might be a little more concerning for me i guess my question for you guys is do you think jimmy butler is the best playoff performer thus far in this year so far in this year yeah unquestionably i think he is because i, I think it is because I think of Steph his is a close second. yeah just because he has by far like all jokes aside autobio has not had a good playoffs and there are no other scores on that team i mean all credit awards due to lowry lowry had a hell of a game yesterday but outside of that he has to carry that team and he's been doing it over and over and over i mean it's got to be him so far i mean jimmy butler taking down a number one seed with Giannis antetokounmpo that's absolutely wild um let's talk about this next game real quickly it'll probably be our last one the 76ers play today game one in boston without Embiid. the 76ers man winning in boston where harden goes for 45 points and six assists john is fist pumping here yes this is crazy i did not think the 76ers would be able to compete with boston what what does this say like what how did you guys interpret this game that's what an mvp does man you guys didn't listen to me that is what an mvp does carries the team james harden all right, I, I'm kidding. I digress. I'm joking, obviously. Go ahead. Best James Harden 76er game? Yes. Yes. Put that? Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Hitting a clutch three, too. Clutch three. Best Doc Rivers 76er game? Okay, let's do let's, 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 oh, a little. 76ers. You're crossing the line, dude. It's getting a little crazy. <laughs> okay. Best and I, Doc Rivers do not belong in the same sentence. Yeah, moment. you're right. I have a, I have a hot take. Joe Mazzula, mm-hmm. overrated coach. Yes. Yeah. I think I think you might be right, man. I, Dude. Boston has a major problem of consistently playing down yeah. to their competition. Yep. Yeah. And they're actually playing oh, yeah. bad defense these playoffs too. Yeah, and there was a playing. stat that was released on and this is on the betting front, so naturally I noticed it. Uh the last four or five times, I can't remember what, that they've been favored by more than ten points. They've outright lost three times. And I mean, yeah. It, it doesn't look good when Doc's rotation, there's only seven players. And you have PJ Tucker, who did not shoot anything. Mm-hmm. Zero field goal attempts, zero free throws. Coach Missoula, what are you doing, man? Like, at least throw a double at Harden. And then you're going to. Same thing happened last year with the finals. You would you would think that the Celtics learned from Steph. But hey, easy switch. Don't even fight. Let your boy at the top. Um, what's his name? Now I'm drawing a blank. Uh, Al Horford go one-on-one with James Harden and get a three in his eye. Did not learn. It's crazy, man. I agree with you. I have a question. Do you guys think the winner of this series is the will represent the East? I mean, do you give the Knicks or the Heat any chance of coming out of the East? I do for two reasons. One, the Knicks, if they advance, actually played Boston incredibly well this year. And I'll tell you, but I'll tell you now, I think the Heat are going to beat the Knicks. And I'm not sure if I'm going to pick against the Heat just yet. If the Heat play the Sixers, let's say the Sixers get out of the series and Embiid is somewhat hobbled. I think the Heat beat them. Lakers Heat rematch, bubble point If it ends up being that, it would be absolutely hysterical in a way. Um, If Boston plays the Heat, I do think they would beat them just because they have enough wing defenders to throw at Jimmy to get by. But I just, I can't trust this Boston team. And tonight showed it again. I mean, they could easily turn around one the next four, wouldn't surprise me. They could lose a series of five, that wouldn't surprise me either. So- Do you guys think they blow up if Boston, again fails to 
make or win the finals? Do you think they should blow this up? I think I think so. I think they trade Brown and they don't do anything else if that happens. And just on a side note, I know they scored 150 points or 115, excuse me. Why in a playoff game is Jalen Brown shooting the ball a total of 10 times? I will never understand that. He was eight for 10, he scored 23 points. Why is he not getting more shots? Like, yeah, this I is, is why I don't think they should blow up the team because obviously the problem is still coaching. Like Ime Udoka literally showed us what good coaching could do to this squad. I don't think you change any of the pieces. They're just looking for good leadership. And Look, it looks like right now, like yes. Missoula's like not that dude. Not at all. Yeah, but also like I agree with you on the coaching, but as much as we praise Tatum, there's also things that he needs to improve upon. One, his decision-making at times is very questionable. Yeah. He takes bad shots, and he disappears in big moments sometimes. I mean, against mm-hmm. the Warriors last year in the finals, he disappeared at key yes. critical times. And I know the Warriors' defense was locked down, but still, when you are that guy, you have to show up when your team needs you at the most right. pivotal moments of the season. His so, finishing around the rim too, like during that Warriors series was just atrocious. He still sucks, but he's at least like a little better. But I'm, I'm with you, John. He does have to work on some, some things to become like that next echelon of like superstar. Yeah, it's, this series is gonna be telling for the future of that team. Cause on paper, and Embiid's injury from all that's coming out, there's, there's reports that he has a small tear somewhere in his knee. If that's the case, Boston cannot lose this series without making some sort of change. It would be ridiculous because they have the most, arguably the two most talented players, depending on what you think of this Harden performance, John's MVP status for him notwithstanding. <laughs> um, so quickly, we're running out of time here. I need you guys to predict who's going to win the series and by what game. Sammy, who do you go? Who do you got? Boston in seven. JJ. Boston and seven. John. You know I can't vote against my MVP, man. I'm going Sixers and six. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going Sixers and seven. Anyway, that's actually all we have time for tonight. I want to thank you three for being on. JJ, thanks for being on, man. Thank you, everybody. Appreciate you all. John, thanks for being on. Thank you. We're all smiling now, but someone's (laughs) going to be frowning in a couple days. I already know. Sammy, thanks for being on, man. It won't be me because we took the Jedi mind trick of just not making it to the second round so we can watch. <laughs> What's up? <laughs> and shout out to our video producer, RJ. Check out our YouTube channel. Remember to rate, subscribe, and review. Like us on our Facebook group page, The Clinic All NBA Podcasts, and follow us on Twitter at Clinic All NBA. I'm Rosa Panta. This is Clinic All NBA Podcasts. Come find us wherever you get your podcasts. Send it to the internet.